welcome to Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here today. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hello, hello. How's everyone doing today? You doing well? Good to see everybody in person here. I want to welcome those that are watching online as well. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I, obviously, I missed you last week and even the week before. I'm excited that we're able to gather together in person. I know many of us have gone through what is kind of entitled SnowVid. I wasn't prepared for the weather when I moved to Houston a couple years ago. I wasn't expecting this. I was expecting sunshine and rain and mostly hot and humidity, but got a little bit of snow in Houston. Um, I know many of you were affected. Uh, my family and I, obviously, most people lost power at some time or another, maybe even water pressure, and I know some people have their pipes maybe crack or burst in their home, and we even had a little bit of that outside of our home as well. But here's the one thing that I loved about our church even during this time where so much was going on around the world that we stepped in and we served. Even this past Thursday, we had an outreach where we uh, connected with Feed the Hunger and we connected with even other churches in the area and we were able to pack meals for those that are in need. And then even today, after the service, we're going to be reaching out to those in our community who may be in need. So I just want to say thank you and applaud you for your heart that even in the midst of craziness or crisis, really, that we're going through, that y'all have a heart to continue to serve and make a difference in our community, that our city is our responsibility, and we're going to respond that way. So I want to applaud you guys and thank you for your hearts to always serve and be involved in what God is doing here in the city of Houston and beyond. Uh, I want to say Pastor Preston last week did a phenomenal job. He stepped in for me. I was praying about it. I've called him. So many of you, if you didn't know who he was, he's a good friend of mine, mentor of mine. And he did a phenomenal message. If you didn't watch that, you can jump onto YouTube and watch that later. But I'm going to continue in the third part of our series, Against All Odds. And the series really is about remembering and living a life of anticipation, a life of faith, that our conditions don't have to be perfect. It's just that we are trusting in a perfect God, And no matter what we're going through, no matter the odds that may be against us, it's important for us to continue to believe that God is for us. So if you have your Bibles today, would you turn to Exodus chapter 2? We're going to be going through Exodus chapter 2, 3, and 4 a little bit. But here's our anchor verse as you're turning there. In Romans 4.18, it says, Against all odds, when it looked hopeless, Abraham believed the promise And expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. So that's really our anchor verse. And the title of today's message is, and it should be simple, it's say yes. Say yes. And we're going to be talking about a man at the Bible who's actually one of my favorite. He gives me hope that God can even use me. It's a man named Moses. Now, here's the thing you need to realize about Moses. Moses is actually a very big deal in the scriptures. Whenever you look through his life, you see that he has some many miraculous moments of where God used him to bring the Israelites out of bondage, part the Red Sea, all many, many different things that God did in his life. He, he has several movies about him that are out, The Prince of Egypt. Being one of them, if you love that movie, or Charleston Heston, The Ten Commandments. Anybody watch that? 
My mom made me watch it when I was a kid. So, but he's a big deal. And even in the New Testament, what you see is there's a battle with the religious leaders between Moses and Jesus. What Moses is saying with the law and what Jesus is saying at the same time, and there's this battle. So Moses is a very big deal. But if you look at his life, you'll realize that there was a process that had to happen. There was a process to ultimately bring him to the promise, and it's the same in our life as well. And we have to remember that, and we have to hold on to it. And here's where his journey begins. Exodus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. Now it came to pass in those days, when Moses was grown, that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. Remember that phrase. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. So he looked this way and that way. And when he saw no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. This is a side note, has nothing to do with the message. But this tells me that Moses would have been bad at hide and seek because you don't bury things in the sand because the sand's going to blow. So side note, it's the way I see the Bible sometimes. I'm just like, don't hide people in the sand if you murder them. (laughs) Sorry. But verse 13, and when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to the one who did wrong, why are you striking your companion? Then he said, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? So Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now, we won't be able to read the entire story, but I encourage you, if you haven't read through the Exodus story, read through Moses' story because it really it speaks a lot about the journey that many of us will even go through. Not exactly, but it will, I believe God will speak to every single one of us. But Moses, if you know his life, the first 40 years of his life, he actually lived with Pharaoh. He lived in the palace. So this was his life. He lived a very comfortable life. And then the story says that he went outside and he looked at their burdens. He looked at his people's burdens, and this word, looked at their burdens, is different than just a regular, hey, I see what's going on. It's it's a word that gives the idea that he saw it, and it gripped his heart. As he saw it, and he emotionally was attached to it. Many times in the New Testament, we see the word compassion, being moved with compassion. So that's what's happening in this moment. He's being moved in a way and seeing it with the new eyes to where their burdens actually became his burdens. And so he couldn't just move on and he couldn't just unsee what he just saw. But he has a problem. Apparently he has an anger issue because he had righteous anger, but he had wrong action. He, his anger was taken out in the wrong way. He knew the what of he was, what he was supposed to do, but he didn't align with the when. And in, minute, in our lives, we can get frustrated with the what that God is calling us to because he clearly felt that God was calling him to be the deliverer. It's just that he didn't realize that he could not be the source of it. If it was going to be done by God, it couldn't be in Moses' time frame. And he got trapped and he stepped out and he lifted the burden in his own strength and actually ended up causing a delay in the timing. Because he now had to be on the run as a fugitive for 40 plus years. Because here's the truth that we need to realize, that we can't create something that can only be given. And God has to align the what and the when in our lives. So what do we do in the in-between time? Where there's this word, that's the fruit of the Spirit, 
That's everyone's favorite word. It's my favorite word. God continues to work it in my life. And that word is patience. Everyone's favorite word in here, right? Hey, have patience. I tell my kids to be patient and they just love me for it. But patience sometimes is actually translated long suffering. Now, I know everyone's going to go through suffering, but if I'm going to go through it, I would ask God to not make my suffering long, but to make it short. But patience is actually the bridge between the what and the when. Patience is a bridge between the what that God has called you to and the when that gives you his timing that he wants to walk everything out. And when we step outside of that and try to work out in the flesh what can only be done with the spirit, we're always going to experience a delay in our lives. In Acts chapter 7, verse 25, this is a retelling of the story of Moses in the New Testament. It says this, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God sent him to rescue them, but they didn't. So he thought they would recognize who he was. Don't you realize I'm actually here to help you? His intentions were actually good, but they didn't recognize who he was, and his assumptions actually led to misplaced expectations and who he would be to them. And his assumptions ended up taking him into this wilderness journey on the run as a fugitive for many years. But while he was there, God encountered him through a story many of us know as the burning bush. God shows up at that place 40 years later as he's on the run. He's now a shepherd at this time, no longer in the palace, taking sheep really in a desert. And the place that God meets him, I believe, is significant and should speak to us today. The place is called Mount Horeb. Many people know it as Mount Sinai, but here's what Mount Horeb means. It means desert. It's the desert place. It's the place of desolation. It's a place of void. It's a place of emptiness. And in that place, God decides to encounter Moses and he says to them, take off your sandals for you're standing on holy ground. Think about that for a second. God steps into a place that's empty, steps into a place that's desolate, steps into a place that's deserted and makes it holy. He does the same thing with the void and the emptiness in our lives. If we're open to receiving all of who he is, he takes the empty places of our lives and he fills us with who he is and we become holy and we become made righteous by what God has done. So God meets him in that place, but he actually doesn't just start talking. He calls Moses by name. And it says, Moses, Moses, which is really, hey, I really need your attention here. Turn aside. Because it was very common at that time for bushes to be burning. But this bush wasn't burning up. So he, he turns, looks aside, because God finally has his attention. How many of you know God knows how to get our attention? But even in the place of obscurity, God still knew what his name was. And it's a lesson for all of us today. Even if we feel like we're in an anonymous place or an obscure place, God still knows our name and he wants to do something special in our lives. So why the wilderness? I want to talk about this for a second because many of us struggle with this wilderness season and many of us may be in that season or just so you know, you're probably going to walk into a season. You may be coming out of a season, but the wilderness season is that place where, dry, where it can be dry and we're struggling a little bit trying to find it out, testing, temptation, trials are in that season of the wilderness. And many times if we're not careful, we can begin to sense that that wilderness season is a season of punishment. And that's not what the wilderness season is for. 
It's not for punishment. It's for pruning and it's for preparation. The wilderness season is for pruning and preparation. And here's what I mean by that. In this season, God is going to prune the things off in your life that need to be taken off and removed so that there's growth in the long run. But here's why it's a season of preparation. And here's the perspective I want us to look at when it comes to walking in this season of being in the wilderness. Is that the wilderness is actually training ground for your destiny. The wilderness is training ground for your destiny. Sometimes we actually send ourselves into the wilderness. And this is what happened with Moses. But there's other times that God actually sends you there. Before you say, there's no way God will send me into a wilderness season, he did it with Jesus. After Jesus was baptized, it said he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, God sustained him there, and God will sustain us there as well. But it's important to realize that the wilderness season is not for punishment. It's for pruning and preparation. So how long will you be in that wilderness season? Here's the answer. Here's my answer. Here's what I feel like God gave me. He said, your trajectory will determine your training. Your trajectory that God has you on will determine the training that you're going to have to go through. I played flag football in in college, drastically different than playing college football in the NFL. How many of you know my training regimen was drastically different than someone training for the NFL? (laughs) They're different because the trajectory is different. So I had to go, I was going through different things than someone who may have been playing professionally was. But so many times we get so discouraged, wondering, why am I here so long? But God had a great call on Moses' life, and he had to take him through a long season of preparation, and he had to take him through a long season of pruning to train him for what he was calling him to. But during this time, the what and the when finally aligned, and the people were desperate for God to move. And it's important for those two to come together. But during this time, we need to understand that God is preparing you, but he's also preparing you for something. He's preparing you for something, and he's preparing the thing for you. And those two things have to come together in place. But Moses, as you read his story, came up with some excuses. And I'm going to focus those on those today as I go through these three points and really talk about three excuses that keep us from saying yes to God. And they're in the form of questions, but there's three excuses that keep us from saying yes to God. And the first one is this, who am I? Who am I? And this has to deal with our identity. Exodus 3, 11 says this, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this very mountain. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, Well, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There's no doubt by this time, Moses had buried the idea of delivering the children of Israel. And there created a gap in the identity that he may have felt like God was calling him to. And here's how you realize it, because of what he names his son. He actually named his son Gershom, which means foreigner or banished. He felt like he had been banished 
from people, and he may have even felt like he had been banished by God. But many times what man looks at and calls banishment, God looks at and says, I'm hiding you for something special. I'm hiding you because I have a plan and a purpose for your life. And he's realizing this as, as God is coming to him, and he says, who am I? And it's a silly question, and God doesn't even address the question with a, a statement. He doesn't answer the question that Moses has. He simply says, hey, I'll certainly be with you. And here's why I believe that he didn't address it the way Moses may have wanted to. Because he's basically saying, who you are is not the most important part in this equation. It's all about who I am, the one who's calling you. That's the important piece that we need to realize, that it's not about us and having confidence in who we are to say yes. It's ultimately about having confidence in who God is. So next, Moses is like, hey, I tried this whole deliverance thing on my own credentials, and that didn't work out too well for me. So when people ask me, hey, you've been gone 40 years? And they ask me, hey, who in the world sent you? What's his name? What's God's name? Because he went on his own beforehand. I, I was reading commentary, and I love what it said, and I want to read it to us. It said, Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent 40 years realizing he was a nobody, and then spent 40 years realizing that God could use somebody who was a nobody. I'm going to say it again so we can all cast this. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, then 40 years realizing he was nobody, then spent 40 years realizing that God could use somebody who was a nobody. See, God can use the unlikely to do the extraordinary if we will trust in him and simply say yes against all the odds, against our own insecurities, and against even who we feel like we are. We can trust God for who he is. And God gives him who he wants him to tell him. And this is the first time he says it this way. He says, I am who I am. I'm the God who always has been. I'm the God who is and the God who always will be. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, the all-existent, self-sustaining one, yet I'm calling you into relationship with me. It was an announcement, but also a revelation of who God was. And Jesus, this is actually a theophany, Jesus actually reveals that this is him. In John 8, whenever he's arguing with the religious leaders, he says, before Abraham was, I am. I don't know if you remember that phrase. You can look it up in John 8. But he says that to them, and here's their response. They literally go to stone him because he was making himself equal with God. So this is a revelation that he's getting in this moment that no one else has received and that God is bringing him into relationship. And this is the relationship that God wants to bring every single one of us into. That is personal because for every objection that Moses gives, if you read this story, God gives a promise. He asks, who am I? And he says, I'll be with you. And here's another sign. You're going to come back to this place that you thought was empty, that you thought was desolate, and you thought there was no purpose and this season was wasted. You're going to come back to this place as you free other people. What God is taking you through and bringing you through will be used in the future if you allow it to be. And then he simply says, go, I'm sending you. Several years ago, I was at Gateway Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I was a young adult pastor. And... I had just stepped into the place of leadership, leading the whole entire thing across, at that time, six different campuses. And as I began speaking, and whether it was my breathing, whatever it was, I actually developed a nodule on my left vocal cord. 
I went to the doctor. He told me it was a nodule. Here was his recommendation. He recommended that I not speak for one to three months or however long it takes for it to get healed. Now, I'm sure my wife may have loved that diagnosis because I would have had to listen to her more often instead of talking. But I didn't love it because I was stepping into a new role. I was making my mark. I was leading. And all of a sudden, I was going to be taken away for a brief period of time while I got healed. And during that time, I began to wrestle with that. I began to pray. I began to ask God, hey, why is this happening? And in that moment, I felt like God shared something with me that I want to share with you. And he said, Ethan, don't aim for a life of prominence. Aim for a life of significance. Don't aim for a life of prominence. Aim for a life of significance. Because here's the difference. Prominence aims for a pedestal. Prominence aims to be seen. But many people who aim for prominence end up later on in life having an identity crisis when that prominence is taken away. But those who are aiming for a life of significance are those who follow God and say yes and aim for a life of obedience. It's a life of being with him, not doing for him. The being comes before the doing. But so many times we can get stuck in the doing that we never just take the time to slow down to be with God. And he wants all of us to develop an intimate relationship with him. And in significance, when we pursue that, that's where our identity can be solidified. It's important for us to get to that place. So his first excuse had to do with his identity. The second one focused on his influence or authority. And here's point number two. What if they don't listen? What if they don't listen? Dealing with his influence. Exodus 4, verse 1. It said, then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is in your hand? And he said, a rod. So even with all these promises that God gave him, Moses still objects going. And his objection this time is, uh, what if they don't listen to me? What if I speak and they don't listen to what I have to say? And it was, it's a strange question because here's what he should have realized and here's what we need to realize too. Our responsibility isn't to make anyone else listen to us. Our responsibility is to say what God tells us and to do what he commands us to do. We are supposed to speak the truth in love so that people can actually receive it. What's the point of saying something if you don't say it, how people can receive it? We're supposed to speak the truth. We're supposed to share love. That doesn't mean everyone's going to receive it. Jesus came to the earth and died for everyone so that we could have forgiveness. Not everyone received him. So our responsibility isn't get, to get other people to listen to us. Our responsibility is to speak what God tells us to speak. But we've all asked that question. Does it really matter what I say? But God answers this question with a question. Hey, what do you have in your hand? What is it that you have in your hand? Because for 40 years of his life, he had a scepter. He was in the ruling area, living in the palace. He was used to that. But for the last 40 years, he was in the desert and he had a rod. And God was saying to him, I don't need a scepter. I can use a rod if you will give me what is in your hand. So many people focus on what they don't have, but here's the reality. What you've been using and what you've been getting good at, God can actually use that if you would bring it and submit it to his service. 
See, this simple rod was the same thing that parted the Red Sea when he held it up. It was the thing that actually gave him water when he hit a rock so that they would be satisfied and they wouldn't uh, experience a lack of water. It was the same rod that he held up and they actually defeated their enemies. See, God can use sometimes the simple things that we already have in our lives that he's equipped us with in order to fulfill his purposes and his plans on the earth. And we have to come to that place where we're able to submit it to him. Acts 7.35 says this, so God sent back the same man his people had previously rejected. And when they demanded, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Through the angel who appeared to him in the burning bush, God sent Moses to be their ruler and their savior. I want to say something today, and this is something I want us to hold on to. The influence in your life will be determined by the person that sends you. The first time he tried to go in his own strength, and he was immediately rejected. God sent him back the second time, and this time he was actually received from the signs and wonders. But it says he sent back the same man, and I agree with that, but he actually didn't send back the same person. The person that was in front of them at that time had actually been humbled. The person that they had experienced the second time wasn't a person who had lived in a comfortable life. It was a person who had been in the desert leading sheep, taking care of something that was somebody else's. And God was calling this man, this person, to go back. But it would have been crazy for Moses to go back to Egypt unless God had said it to him. And I love that last week's title was Crazy Increases Your Odds. Because many times what we call crazy, God calls inevitable. If you're willing to say yes to following him, whatever God speaks to us is inevitable because when he speaks, it happens. His word never returns to him void. But I want to ask us a question today. Where are the areas of our life where God is speaking to us, but we're saying, I'll never do that? Where are the areas of our life where God's speaking to us and we'll say, I'll never go there. I'll never say that. I'll never give that. I'll never serve there. I'll never forgive that person. What are the areas in our lives where we're saying never? One of the things I've learned is to never say never with God. It's not because he's just going to send you somewhere you don't want to go. Here's why. Because there's some things on the other side of your nevers. And the first thing that's on the other side of it, amongst many things, is distraction. Distraction is on the other side of your never. And many times we actually don't feel like distractions can be dangerous. But distractions are dangerous, and here's why, because they're actually discipling us. Whenever we take our focus off of God and obeying him and focus it on a distraction, it becomes the main attraction in our lives. And we continue following that instead of going the way that God ultimately called us to go. So it's important what we focus on, but when we get distracted, we begin to waste our voice and our influence on things that God never intended for us to waste it on. We begin to waste our voice or influence instead of obeying God. We begin to waste it on social media. We begin to waste it on television, Twitter, news, friends, whatever it is. We begin to waste our time instead of using our influence to glorify God. Matthew 9, 37, 38 says this. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his field. Think about that for a second. This is Jesus speaking. He says, harvest, 
plentiful. Laborers, few. Here's on the other, what's on the other side of your never as well, comfort. And here's a strong statement, but I want to make it clear. Many of us live lives of comfort, so we have no need of the comforter. Because we're never stepping out, and we're comfortable being in the house that we actually forgot God brought us in the house to actually go get other people and bring them into the house and bring them in relationship with him. The harvest is plentiful in your neighborhood. The harvest is plentiful in this city. The harvest is plentiful around the world. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And God is calling for us to step out and use the influence that he's given us. As parents, we always try to influence our kids. I have four of them. And I don't know if there's any competitive people in the house. I'm, I'm a little bit competitive. My wife's also very competitive, and apparently we pass that along to our kids as well. And my daughter, oldest daughter, Addie, always asks me to play games with her, and I say yes because I can't really say no to her, especially with the sweet voice that she asks me with. So this day, she actually wanted to play Candyland. Candyland was our game of choice. I don't know if you've ever played Candyland before. It's a very simple game. If you have not played it, you just pick simple cards, and you go through this kind of maze or track, and your ultimate goal is to get to Candy Castle. So simple game, play with her. I think she was five at the time. And so we played the first game. I'm like, okay, let's go. We played, and the first game, I annihilated her. <laughs> it was the best thing ever. I got up, probably did a little bit of a dance. And I just, I just restored her. It was, it was a beautiful thing. But I could begin to see as I was rejoicing, her countenance began to change, and she wasn't happy anymore. So I was like, okay, Addy, let's talk about this for a second. Just remember, it's not whether you win or lose, <laughs> just as long as you have fun. And the reason why I won is that in our family, we, we really don't do participation trophies. That's not going to be how it works in our house. I wasn't just going to let them win so they feel good, because I want them to experience the real world. I want them to be ready for what's going to happen. So that was the first game. Unfortunately, we played a second game, and this time around, she got the cinnamon bun. Now, for those who haven't played, you don't know what the cinnamon bun is. The cinnamon bun is really the most coveted card in the whole entire deck. The cinnamon bun basically means you're going to win if you get it. So this time, she gets to the top, she beats me. And then, unfortunately, she was imitating her father. She got up, started dancing, started singing. <laughs> And this is the truth. She literally says to me, hey, Dad, just remember, it's not whether you win or lose, just as long as you have fun. And I said, well, I'm not having fun anymore, and you're being disrespectful, so we're not playing anymore. But we all want to influence and have the influence and make sure people listen to us. So that was the second thing. The third thing is this. The third question that he asked is, am I able Am I able? And this question has to do with an insecurity about his abilities. And we all have those insecurities. We talked about it two weeks ago about insecurities and working through those. Here's what it says, Exodus 4, verse 10. It says, Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. 
So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. So he's sending Aaron to him. This is a side point. I actually got it last night. I think this is one of the saddest things that God actually had to send a contingency for Moses' obedience. That God had to literally say, I'm sending someone else because you will not listen to me. I'm sending someone else along because I know there's no way you're going to come. So I had to set a contingency for you to be able to walk this out. But here's the reality. Moses' insecurity about his speech was irrelevant to the equation. God at this time, think about it, was talking to him through a burning bush. (laughs) Do you think God could help him say the words that he wanted him to say? Do you think God could put in your heart, in your mouth, and in your mind the things he wants you to say if he's calling you to it? He's giving you the strength to do it. All of us actually have weaknesses. Here's the great part. He's the creator. He already knows what they are. Yet he's still calling you to a specific task, and here's why. Because his power is made perfect in our weakness. Our weaknesses are simply a place for God to exhibit his strength. That's how we should look at our weaknesses. But here's what we do. We take our weaknesses and use them as reasons to be disqualified from the purpose that God has given to us. And we take our weaknesses and we put them under a microscope and we dive into them and our shortcomings, our failures, our flaws, whatever they may be. But I want to encourage you today, don't bring your weaknesses to the table where God brings the cross. God brings the cross to cover all of our shortcomings, to cover all of our sins, to cover all of our failures. And then he gives us his spirit to be able to walk in the new life that he's given Every single one of us. But don't let our insecurities and our fears rob us of the thrill of our faith. Don't let fear rob you of the thrill of your faith. Because we're called to live by faith. The scriptures say the just shall live by faith. So if you're not walking with God in faith, you may actually be walking away from him. Here's a way to say it. Faith that's not activated will one day be vacated. Faith that's not activated will one day be vacated. Maybe not in your generation, but you have the next generation who is watching you, who is wondering, what is this all about when it comes to following God? Because many times people have, have stepped into what I would like to call Christian boredom. They're bored. But as I read the scriptures, there was no one who was bored. The only way that you're bored is if you become a spectator instead of participator. If you actually stop anticipating what God wants to do and you're simply sitting on the sidelines. But we need to grow in our curiosity. We need to grow in our childlike faith because Moses was supposed to lead this next generation towards the promised land. But there were so many miracles that were on the other side of him saying yes, which is God even allowed, why God allowed him to ask the questions that he did. But here's what trusting God looks like being willing to say yes before he even asks the question. Eventually, as we grow in him and we mature in him and we get to know his character, we begin to say yes, hey God, whatever you want. It may look like it's against all odds, but yes, God, whatever you want, I'll say yes, you just let me know what you need for me to do. 
Because after all this, after all the questioning, it really got down to what Moses' heart was. And it wasn't that Moses was unable. It was that he was unwilling. And that's the one time when God actually finally got upset. He actually wasn't upset with all the other questioning. He got upset whenever Moses was like, hey, send someone else. I don't want to do this. And God stepped in and said, hey, I have a contingency for that. But it said he was angered by that. Because we're his children. The way we love God is actually by obeying his commands. So obedience is a significant part of walking out our lives in faith. God isn't angry with our perceived lack of ability, but with our lack of obedience. So let's live lives today that choose to say yes to God. As we close, I want to share a personal belief I have of why God actually chose Moses. Because he could have chose anybody, and there probably were some better fits for people who may have simply just said yes to what God wanted to do. But here's why I believe God chose Moses. Remember, Moses is supposed to be a deliverer. He's a type of Christ. He points to Jesus. Moses may have been the only Hebrew or Israelite that never knew what it was like to be in bondage in Egypt. And here's why that's important. Because it's hard to free other people when you're in bondage yourself. So Moses was the only one who never knew what it was like to be in bondage. This is why even when they leave bondage, Moses never wants to go back into it. So how does this point to Jesus? And this is great news for all of us. Jesus came from heaven to earth and lived a life free of sin, lived a life free of bondage, lived a life free of being in strongholds. And because he is the son who has always been free, he can also set us free and bring us into the life that he always promised us. This is why he can have, give us life and life in abundance, give us joy because he has the fullness of joy, give us peace because he is the fullness of peace. He was always free so he could free us. Heaven came to earth so that all of us on earth could get to heaven but also bring heaven to earth as well because he went before us. So this should give us confidence to say yes to whatever God is calling us to individually, but also corporately as a church. When he calls us to serve, the answer should be yes. When he calls us to give, the answer should be yes. To lay our life down, the answer should be yes. Let us be people who are willing to say yes to whatever God has called us to. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I want to ask the question that we ask every single week, even for those that are watching online, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? Some of you may be in that wilderness season when you're wrestling right now and you're wondering, hey, how long am I going to be there? How long am I going to have to walk through this? What is God preparing me for and what is God preparing for me? And when you're in that place, the thing to do is to trust him and continue to walk with him because even though you're in the wilderness, God promised he'd be right there. Some of you in that place, God's calling you to say yes to another thing. And he's speaking to you about that area right now. No matter where you are, God has something for every single one of us. And here in a second, I'm going to pray and then we're going to go back into another song of worship. 
But in this moment, come to the place where you're willing to say yes to whatever God has for you. Say yes that you'll use whatever he's already equipped you with and put in your hands. Say yes to living a life of significance and obedience to him. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you love us and that you've called us to you. I pray right now for every single person here, every single person watching online, that you would continue to lead us to say yes to your will and your way. We want to be a part of what you're doing here on the earth. We won't use the excuses. We won't be distracted. We're going to go fully and wholeheartedly after you. May our hearts and our lives be open to this. And may we continue to pursue you in everything that you have. And I pray that you would overwhelm every single person here with your richest blessings. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. joining us today. If you live in the Houston area or are in town for a visit, we would like to invite you to join us for a service. For service times and location, or more information about Gateway Church, follow us on social media or visit our website, gatewayhome.com. Have a blessed week.